0: Amen. Please be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I do invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. This morning we will begin looking at this passage. It will take us a couple of Sundays as it is a very important passage. In fact, you could say it is a pivotal point. It is the pinnacle of the story of Abraham and of his walk with the Lord. Now that's not to say that anything he's gone through over probably the last 30 years of his life has been insignificant or small. We go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 12 and remember, God called him out of his homeland, away from his family, called him unto himself and said, go, go to this place that I shall prepare for you and I will make you into a great people, a great nation. He has faced battles. He has dealt with kings. He has shown great faith at times, and his faith has been found lacking. But overall, if we look um, at it from a a zoomed-out view, we would say Abraham has trusted in the Lord. He has trusted in the Lord to provide, to protect, and to watch over. And here in our passage, what we find is the Lord wants to put that faith to the test. How much do you trust me? How much faith do you have? How willing are you to go where I call you to go and do what I call you to do? And we will see that the, the test that God puts before him is a significant test. And I'm convinced, I, I really am, that no other point in Abraham's life would he be able, would he've been able to do what he does here. I, I think that God has been preparing him, that God has been walking with him in his life, step by step, moment by moment, season by season, failure by failure to get him ready for this time. God does not waste opportunities or experiences or even failures. And I want us to consider that this morning, even as we read the text, that this is true in our own lives. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Unfortunate things happen in our lives, but even those God uses to turn us into the man or woman of God that he has called us to be, to prepare us for holy lives to live with Him. We see this clearly in Abraham's life, but I just I want to remind us of that this morning looking in. It can be very easy to disassociate this morning with this passage. Uh, just due to the nature of the text, we can find ourselves wanting to separate ourselves from it. But that cannot be the case. We must look critically at this text and critically at our own lives and our own hearts through it. And so with that in mind, I invite you to turn with me as I read for us the Word of God. And this morning, I will begin in verse 1, and then I will read through the 14th verse. After these things, God tested Abraham, and He said to him, Abraham. And He said, Here I am. And He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Would you please bow with me as we go before Him in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, coming before this passage this morning, it causes us to ask, how much do I trust You, O Lord? How willing am I to give it all up for the sake of You and for Your kingdom? Father, as we examine our own hearts this day, as we reflect upon the faith of Abraham, Would You comfort us? Would You encourage us? Would You strengthen our faith? Would You bring us to the place that we would missay whatever You may ask, O Lord, it is Yours. This can only be done by the power of Your Holy Spirit, so I pray that You pour out Your Spirit upon us, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, that seeing we may see, hearing we may hear, and receiving Your Word, we might believe and live transformed lives. Father, I pray now in the moments to come, for the preaching of your word, may it go forth in power. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, it is one thing to trust the Lord when there is a promise yet to come. We can always say, the, the Lord hasn't provided that yet. Or He hasn't done that to this point. But we can hope, right? We can, we can think ahead. We can anticipate eagerly. It would be another thing, a completely different conversation to be commanded to give up that promise, to have something that the Lord has said He will provide, to hope for something for so long, to eagerly await for something, and to have the Lord give that very thing and then immediately be told, now give it back. This is the dilemma that Abraham faced in our passage The Lord had finally delivered a son through Sarah. Isaac was the one that God promised would fulfill all God had said would come to Abraham. One commentator states of the importance of this passage is that this is a test. He says this, This is not the kind of test we frequently see in Scripture with an adversary to overcome. This test is about obedience to a clear command from the Lord. Those who believe in the Lord claim to obey God's Word, but to what extent will they obey? When the Lord demands of us a costly sacrifice to do something that seems unreasonable or impossible, how willing are we to listen? Now this may be a hard passage for many of us this morning, for it will force us to ask the question of God, how far am I willing to go to serve you, Lord? Or to put it differently, what is there in my life that if the Lord said, that belongs to me, would we go no? We have to be very careful. Calvin says that our hearts are factories of idols. We are very good at creating things to worship, to cling on to, to hold at all cost. And a good way we can check ourselves against that is if the Lord said, give it to me, how would we respond? And so this passage in a lot of ways is a, a great heart check it is, it is a great passage to lay over our lives, to, to use to x-ray us to see what is really going on. And by God's grace, He's given us this passage this morning for that purpose, to deliver the results of the test. And it's only after we go through tests like this, it's only after Abraham goes through a test like this, that he can say, whatever be your will, Lord, I will follow And to get us to that place, our passage really is dealing about faith. And Again, we'll we'll take this in two parts. We'll look at part one this morning, and then, Lord willing, we'll cover part two next time. But this first section, the first 14 verses, we see that the Lord does test the faithfulness of believers. This is seen clearly in the first two verses of our passage. And then secondly, we see that faithful believers will receive the Lord's provision for worship. God tests us and God provides that which we need to withstand, to endure, to pass the test. And then we will go on in this passage, um, though we did not read uh, to see that the faithful believers enjoy the assurance of God's blessing there is reward to passing the tests of the Lord. And then we will see ultimately at the conclusion of this chapter that the Lord even looks ahead. That it's not just a test and then that's the end, but it's a test and it's a test to provide for the future. And so this passage really speaks well to our own hearts and to what we need the most, which is God. So for our time this morning, let's focus on those first two points and let's start by realizing that the Lord does test the faithfulness of believers. And I love this passage. The Lord does not want us to be confused or to, to misinterpret or to misunderstand what is happening. He says very plainly what He is doing. He says, in fact, let's look at it. After these things... God tested Abraham very clearly. God tests Abraham after these things. And so it's um, all that's come. It's the birth of Isaac. It's of his weaning. It's of the um, setting apart or setting away of Ishmael. Um, It's of the treaty with Abimelech. After these things, the Lord tests Abraham. And due to the nature of this test, I think we should wrestle with that for a moment. I want us to to spend this first point really reflecting upon what does that mean, to be tested by the Lord. We've all had tests in our life, some easier than others. When I started teaching at the high school level, I was convinced the only appropriate type of test is uh, open note or open answer test. Then I realized that when every question is a fill in the blank or a short answer, then you have to grade fill in the blank or short answer. And by the end of my teaching, everything was true or false because <laughs> I knew that those are the best tests to grade. Not always the best test to measure what we know, but the best test to grade. But these were none, this was none of that, was it? This, this was a true, significant test. And I want to look at this in two lights. One, what does this not mean? What's not going on here? And there's two things I think we need to understand. One, God is not tempting Abraham to sin. God is not testing or tempting Abraham to sin. And and we want to make a distinction there. I, I said that wrongly. Between test and temptation. James tells us in James 1, 13 to 15, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Temptation and testing are two completely different matters. Temptation is temptation to sin, to disobey God, to break His commands, to violate His statutes. This is used by the world, this is used by the flesh, this is used by the devil. James himself says it comes from our own hearts. Our own hearts tempt us. To say no to God. A test, however, can be an opportunity to succeed. Temptation is temptation to fail. A test is a test to succeed. This is not calling on sin, but calling on righteousness, right? How faithful is Abraham? That's the test. How faithful are you, Abraham? This is a good outcome, this is something to be desired. And so we we say that this is not a temptation to sin related to that but our second thing that this is not not only is it not a temptation to sin it is not murder god is not calling abraham to murder his son and some people wrongly use that language um that because it talks about sacrifice and we talk about god being or abraham being willing to murder isaac but we cannot use that language either for again Murder is a sin, clearly outlined by the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit murder. Sixth Commandment. God was calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and it uses that language very, very carefully, as an offering. Now, why could God make this request, and why was it not considered murder? Because who did Isaac belong to? Where did Isaac come from? Isaac belonged to the Lord. The Lord said, give me what is mine. It is not murder to say, give me what is mine. It is a sacrifice. Abraham and Sarah could not produce Isaac. They tried and tried and tried. We tracked it over 25 years. The Lord provided Isaac. This has been abundantly clear from the start. God is asking Abraham to give something to him that already belongs to him. This is not murder, even if the circumstances make us uncomfortable. And we just may have to accept that this morning. Because the Lord says very clearly, He cannot tempt us to sin, and murder is a sin, therefore this would not be constituted as murder. Now, we don't have to get to that point, but going into the story, we need to have that mindset. And then, really, another issue, so those are kind of the negative thoughts on this passage. The positive, why? We love that question, right? Why? All all of that being said, this is kind of an odd test, isn't it? And here is the answer. Again, we go to Scripture um, from Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it is tested in fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why does the Lord test the Lord test so that we may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. True faith, true faith that has been tested, that has gone through the fires, that has been worked over and over again, leads to results in the worship of God. God wanted Abraham to grow in faith and to grow in worship. He wanted his faith to increase so worship would increase. And we see that be the case. The more faith, the more worship. Now, let me ask us this this morning. And I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. How often have any of us looked at a passage like this, or at a hardship in our life, or at a test from God, and said, Thank you so much, Lord for this extraordinary difficult thing you've placed upon me because I know it's going to result in me trusting you more and worshiping you more. I sure don't. I I can't say that quite often in my own life. Thank you, God, for this extraordinary test in my life. I really needed to worship you more right now. That's not my natural inclination. It was Abraham's. But I would make the case that this is what we should think about when we think about this passage. A great test from the Lord shouldn't be something to fear or worry over or shy away from. It should be something that grows our love of Him, our devotion to Him, our dependence upon Him. Again, if this passage makes you uncomfortable, let's flip over to Job. Again, a great test by the Lord. Now, that one, it's a test by the Lord and a temptation by the devil combined, so we want to be careful there. Um, but, At the end of it, what does he do? He praises God all the more. So how many of us are going to go home? Oh, Lord, strike everything I have, all of my possessions, everything that belongs to me so that I can love you and trust you and rest in you more. You know, when I was thinking about this passage this morning and I was thinking about this this, this testing of God and what it produces, uh, my mind went to what I'll call an old song. Uh, It was produced in 2005 uh, by a band named Casting Crowns. My fellow millennials, you'll be very familiar. It's called Praise You in This Storm. And here's the chorus to that song. I'll praise you in this storm. I will lift my hands. For you are who you are, no matter where I am. Every tear I've cried, you hold in your hands. You've never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. Hear how the author admits they're in a storm. It is dark. It is scary. They are facing hardship. It is ripping them apart. But what is the consequence or what is the conclusion? They lift up their hands in praise. Praise be to you, God, during this storm. And that's what we should see when the Lord brings test in our lives. We should be or, or strive or pray to get to the place that when the test comes and the, the, the clouds roll in and the darkness reigns, We say, praise you, God, for this season, for this moment, for this time, for I know it will drive me to worship. And one last thing I want us to think about here, about the Lord testing us. Note how when the Lord commands this of Abraham, it goes against all earthly wisdom and convention. Often, isn't that the case when we're called to serve the Lord? We're called to serve the Lord in a way that the world says is foolish. The Lord has provided this son, Isaac. The Lord has commanded Abraham to get rid of his only other child, Ishmael. The Lord has promised that through Isaac he would be the father of a great and mighty nation. And now God is saying, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice him. That doesn't make any sense. At least from the eyes of the world. But think about this. Abraham was being asked to sacrifice Isaac, the one whom the promises would be fulfilled through. But is that that an appropriate statement to make? Or would it be better to say the Lord would fulfill his promises through himself? Now we get a right mindset. For if we say the Lord will fulfill his promises to Abraham through Isaac, we look to Isaac. We hope in Isaac. We say, thank you God for Isaac. But if instead we say the Lord will provide through his own means, whatever it may be, then where do we look? We look to God. And so whether Isaac is here or Isaac isn't, God will fulfill his promises because he's God. We don't rest on Isaac. We don't hope in Isaac. We rest in the Lord. And that really is what a test should do. It should drive us to the Lord. It should cause us to hope in the Lord. It should cause us to seek the Lord. And this is very true for us today. We recognize that the Lord gives us what we need. He provides the means to grow our worship, to increase our desires for Him and in Him. We are here today doing just that in a worship service. We have sung songs. We have confessed our sin. We have received pardon. We have fellowshiped together. We have prayed prayers Now we're receiving His Word, and unless He comes back in the next 20 or so minutes, in a moment we'll receive the Lord's Supper. Again, a sign and seal of He provides what we need. The Lord is giving us today that which we need to pass the test. How will we worship God today? By being here together. And that's really what our second section is about. Um, we've kind of talked about the testing from a philosophical standpoint, what does it mean to be tested by the Lord, but let's, let's focus in on what it truly means for Abraham to be tested. This is a, a, an interesting story, and as we do so, we think about how the Lord provides what is needed for worship. This is not an easy test, is it? It's not something light. The Lord says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And one of the most significant passages in all of Scripture that shows us the faith, the, the, the worth, the mettle of a man is right there between verses 2 and 3. If you, if you look really closely, you'll see it. It's between the period and then the next word. So Abraham rose early in the morning. The significance right there is you've got nothing else. I shall tell you, period, so Abraham rose. Where's the complaint? Where's the worry? Where's the fear? Where's the doubt? Where's the uncertainty? It's not there. The Lord said, this is what I command of you, and then Abraham gets up early to make sure it's done. Not even on time, he gets up early to make sure that the Lord's will is accomplished. That shows us the measure of Abraham. This is why he's called the man of righteousness, the man of faith. Because when the Lord had a great demand of him, he said, yes, Lord. Oh, that we would all dare to be so full of the grace of God that when tests or trials come, our immediate response is, yes, Lord. How can it be so? How can I accomplish it? How can I get it done? And our passage does tell us that he obeys. He, he takes the supplies needed. He, he gets some servants. He prepares everything, and they begin on a walk, a three-day journey from home. And then verse 5 tells us they, they get inside of this mountain. The Lord apparently has given him the location. He tells the servants, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Again, this is a very significant passage. This is a very significant sentence. Two things come to mind here. One, Abraham is recognizing this as an act of worship. Please don't miss that. He's being called to sacrifice his son, and how does he describe it? As worship. I will go worship God in this matter. Again, oh, that, that would be our hearts. That we could get to that place of confidence in the Lord, that when he demands great things of us, we could go, I will praise you in this. Faith in the Lord, a faith that's gone through fire, is a faith that drives us to worship. And then secondly, and and this is a cause, of great discussion amongst the commentaries, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now some commentators say Abraham is lying. Flat out, he's lying. He doesn't want the servants to stop him. He's embarrassed about what he's called to do. He doesn't believe he can go through it if anyone questions him. So therefore, he is just lying here. We're going to come back. Because that doesn't work if Isaac sacrificed, right? We're coming back. Some saw it as a prophetic sign from the Lord, like the Lord is going to bring him back. He's unwillingly or an unknowingly speaking prophecy. Now, that very well could be the case. In fact, I would believe that it is this. Some others say that it's being hopeful. It's almost like, would it be so that we come back to worship you? It's like he's, he's offering his heart there, like, oh, would, this, would God do this in this way? And, and, and while some of those options are plausible, and I don't think he's lying, we actually have the answer. We know exactly what's going through Abraham's mind right here, and that's thanks to the author of Hebrews. If you look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse 17, says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And right here, clear word of the Lord. Here's why Abraham said what he said. He considered God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Why could Abraham say we're coming back? Because he was so trusting in God that he said to himself and in his heart, even if I am to sacrifice this son, the Lord can raise him. Wow, what faith. What faith to be able to make that statement. And did Abraham understand how true that would be? Did did he fully comprehend what he was saying before God? Did he fully understand that this was God's ability and that God would prove himself in that time over time? But Abraham went with confidence because the Lord was his God. And I reject any of those uh, views of this passage that make him sheepish, that make him uncertain, or that make him out to be a liar. Because as we see in Hebrews there, he's a man of God. He's a man who trusts his God, and he's a man who obeys his God. And then... Very significantly, just after this happens, before the test takes place. I love this. Once again, God's prophecy taken place through Abraham, and un, most likely unknowingly. Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, son, echoing the Lord's conversation, to Abraham. Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Did Abraham fully understand what he was saying? I don't know. But I know we believe what he said. The Lord will provide a sacrifice. And we know that he took his son. We know that he bound him. We know that he created an altar. That he placed his son upon it. That he took the knife. He stretched it out over his son, ready to strike. And then an angel of the Lord comes or speaks to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am. So, said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham has passed the test. He proved to be faithful unto the end. The Lord was confident that he would have lowered that hand. He would have made the strike. And because he would have done so, the Lord halts him. And showing how prophetic Abraham was, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Now, that's interesting. Um, He's caught in a thicket by his horns. Why is that important? Well, a sacrifice to the Lord had to be unblemished. And if it had been caught by the body or caught by the leg or, or caught any other way, it could not have been used in this manner. But if it's caught in the horns, it would not have caused damage to the animal. And so they look up and behold a perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice to offer unto God. Exactly what He demands is right there. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I want you to think about something with me just for a moment. The Lord prepared that animal. From birth, that animal was born. Animals in the wilderness leave very dangerous lives. They are often sacrificed I and mean, all we've got to do is drive anywhere out of Lee Summit and we find on the side of roads lots of animals that made poor choices in life. This animal was protected. This animal grew. It was given nourishment. It was provided for. It was cared for. It probably lived on Mount Moriah, lived its entire life there. And on that day, the day that the Lord needed it, the Lord helped the animal to be in that place. The Lord allowed that animal to be caught. And not be released. At the same time, the Lord is using Abraham, bringing him up the mountain, bringing him with his son, preparing the sacrifice, the sacrifice of his own son. And the Lord says, no, Abraham, this is not what you're going to do. And he looks up and behold, the lamb is provided. The lamb is provided. He absolutely names this place, the Lord will provide Now, this is a weighty story for sure, and there's a great deal of points of application we can take from it. We should be so confident in the Lord that we would be willing to take any step that He calls us to take. We should be so sure of the Lord's salvation that we say, even if that which is most precious is taken from us, the Lord can raise from the dead. So what harm can this life, can this world take from us? But there's one point of application that I wanted to make sure that I made this morning and it's why I cut the sermon in half to take the second half in a latter place. We cannot read this passage. We cannot look at this passage and ignore this. God did not command of Abraham something he himself wasn't willing to do. God cannot say to Abraham, you go sacrifice your son and not be willing to do it himself. God called Abraham to sacrifice his son so that Abraham would know truly and fully that the Lord is God. In the same way, God the Father sent His Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God, into the world. And when the time became appropriate, the Father placed His own Son on the altar, also called the cross. And this time the Lord did not stay His own hand. But the Lord sacrificed Jesus, the lamb, the true sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of his people. Why? So that they would know the Lord is God. And so all we see in Abraham is just a a, a preview of the main event. Abraham knew that the Lord was God. We today are called to know the Lord is God Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. God sacrificed his son. The lamb was provided for Abraham. The lamb is provided for you and me today. This is the gospel. This is the good news today. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? This is your great test. This is the trial that is before you. Believe the Lord. Listen to Him. Receive Him Accept His work on your behalf. If you do so, this will drive you to worship. True faith, tested faith, leads into worship. Are you here today worshiping God because you know who He is and know what He's done? If not, may this weigh over us. May we understand that Isaac deserved to be sacrificed. May we understand that we deserve death. For we are sinners who have violated the commands of the Lord, disobedient. And yet He took our place. Our shorter catechism, Catechism Question 27, speaks of the humiliation of Christ. And it says, Christ was humiliated in this life unto death. The death that we deserve, that He took for us. May this cause us to weigh our hearts today. May we ask of ourselves, are we trusting in the Lord? Do we accept the sacrifice made on our behalf? Are we so full of faith that we would give it all away in obedience to Him? Do we celebrate the test that the Lord brings, which will always drive us to a deeper degree of worship? May it be so. Let us pray that the Lord would do that in our lives. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a hard thing to ask. But Lord, would you cause us to praise you in the storms of this life? Lord, would you cause us to praise you and to trust you and to rest in you when the tests come, and they may be mighty tests indeed. May we find ourselves clinging on to you, hoping in you, resting in you, trusting in you, our God. Father, what a wonderful passage to remind us that you do provide a sacrifice, that that which is needed has been provided. For Abraham and Isaac, it was the ram, For all of us, including Abraham and Isaac, it was Jesus. And we trust in you this day. May we grow in our love and our faith in you, that whatever you ask of us, we may say, yes, Lord, send me. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.